Well, good morning. Here we are. Friday morning, we've made it to the end of the week and the uh, culmination of all things. So let's just have a prayer before we start. Father, we long for the day when we'll see you face to face. We long for the day, Lord Jesus, when we see our glorious risen Lord in, in all his splendour. But Father, meanwhile, I ask that you would cause us to keep looking up, staying close, living holy, sanctified lives unto you. And Father, as we come to look at this last piece, Lord, that you will bless the words of my mouth, bless it to the ears of the hearer, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we are, day five, culmination of all things. At the end of quite a marathon, and we haven't really started on our study of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. We shall be doing another one in November over a weekend uh, to go more into the book of Revelation now that we've laid the base. But today, to end, I want us to look at the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and the book of beginnings, Genesis. First then, Revelation, and Revelation 22, 1-5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there should be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. These five verses are the last verses of prophecy found in the Bible. And verse 3 shows us that there will be no more curse. When Adam fell, all of creation fell as well. Disease, death and sickness came in with the fall. This verse shows us disease, death and sickness will no longer be around. Everything will be perfect. However, verse 2 seems to contradict verse 3. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Healing of the nations? If there's no more sickness, why do the leaves of the tree bring healing to the nations? Once we find what that's about, it will give us a wonderful picture of what God has in store for us. The tree is called the tree of life. And this is not the only place that the tree of life is mentioned. God knows the end from the beginning and in Genesis the tree of life is mentioned first. So I want us now to look at the garden in Eden and see the concept of the garden. But just before we look at Genesis 1 and 2 we should remember that the garden in Eden is not the first Eden found in the Bible. Does that surprise you? 
The first Eden is found in Ezekiel 28, 1 to 10. Okay then, Ezekiel 8, 28, I'm sorry. Ezekiel 28, 1 to 10. The words of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is lifted up, and you say, I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods, in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man, not a God, though you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that can be hidden from you. With your wisdom and your understanding you have gained riches for yourself and gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom in trade you have increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Therefore says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold therefore I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendour. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of a slain in the midst of the seas. Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a god? And you shall be man, and not a god, in the hand of him who slays you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of the aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. This is a chapter that deals uh, with the prophecy against Tyre and deals with the judgment against the human ruler of Tyre. But that's not what I want us to look at. What we want to find is actually found in verse 11 and this section is talking about Satan. Verse 2 of Ezekiel 28 talks about a human ruler of Tyre. Verse 11 talks about the king of Tyre. And as we read on from verse 12, you can see that description concerning the king of Tyre is no longer a description of a man, but a description of an angel. And he says this, Son of man, take up a lament for the king of Tyre, I'm reading from verse 12, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. So what this passage is saying is this. Although mankind looks at its earthly rulers, those earthly rulers are controlled by someone in authority over them. We know there are angelic forces which have an effect on the history of the earth. You can see that today with Iraq and the Middle East generally. 
And this passage in Ezekiel says that the ruler of Tyre is being given his directions from above. This is who is the real king and ruler of Tyre, and he is being given his direction from him. So the ruler of Tyre, sitting on the throne, just follows the orders from the angelic being. And the king of Tyre, referred to here in Ezekiel, is Satan himself at this time. At this time too, Tyre was a very evil place, and it was Satan's throne on the earth. And even today he has a throne on the earth. Revelation 2, 12 and 13 And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, and where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Satan has had and will have a throne on this earth until God destroys him. Adam gave away the title deeds to the earth, which Jesus won back on the cross. We see this when Jesus begins to open the scrolls, which are the title deeds. Satan's throne is mobile, and he moves it around. Ezekiel 28, 12-17, Son of Man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. And we've just heard what he said. You notice in verse 13 he mentions Eden, the garden of God. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. Notice this person was created. God created one man, Adam. So we can see that this passage does not refer to mankind, but to Satan. When Satan appeared in the garden, he appeared as a serpent, but the garden in Eden is not in Eden the garden of God. What we know is, before the earth was created, there was an Eden in the heavenlies, which was around the throne room of God, which is where Satan was. So the first Eden is an angelic one, and Satan lived there, a heavenly Eden, a heavenly Eden. Verse 15, when Satan was created, he was created sinless. But Satan, like us, was created with free will, and that free will has a positive side and a negative side. Free will has a right to choose, and Satan had the right to choose for God or against him. He chose to go against God, and as a result, he became sinful. Satan was in the heavenly Eden, but he sinned against God and was thrown out. God created on this earth another Eden. The word means delight, pleasure. And in Genesis 2, we get an earthly Eden with man created on the earth. Genesis 2, 8 to 17. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for, the f good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon, is the one which encompasses the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, Bedelium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon, it's the one that encompasses the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. 
Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. So Adam is put in the earthly Eden, and when Adam was created, he was sinless. Now also we have the tree of life, and in verse 9 we have the two main trees of the Bible. Why is it in the middle of this garden, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It was the only tree that Adam could not eat from. He could eat from any other tree, including the tree of life, but he couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's going to be the one he's going to want most to eat from. You know the answer to this question. The tree was there because of free will. Unless free will is tested, it isn't free. Adam, like Satan, had free will and he could choose to use his free will totally for God or against him. Every one of us in this room has the same challenge every day in our lives. Do we use our free will for God or against him? As we all know, in the garden, God gave Adam one test of his free will. He was commanded not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam could choose for God or against him. So Adam, who was sinless like Satan in the beginning, went negative, And he chose to go against God, with the result that he became sinful and fallen. Genesis 3.22-24 Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. Now lest he put his hand out and take also of the tree of life and eat forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Verse 22 the tree of life was to give eternal life to Adam and Eve. It was the source of eternal life. The tree of life is a picture on the earth of the Lord Jesus Christ who provides eternal life. So we now have fallen mankind in a garden and God has to make sure that Adam and Eve do not get to the tree of life and eat from it or they will live forever in that state as will their progeny. Verse 23 shows us the saddest thing. The garden is now closed to Adam and Eve. They have been dispossessed by their action. Verse 24, and the tree of life must now be guarded by the flaming cherubim. This is one way that the gospel was preached before the flood, because you could take the children for a trip out on Sunday to see the cherubim guarding the garden and you would tell them that this is where Grandma and Grandad used to live. It appears to have made little difference because the flood came and the earth was covered with water because, of man, because man's wickedness was so great. After the flood the garden in Eden was no more. Before the flood mankind was excluded from it because of Adam's failure. Now let's look at Jesus. The moment Adam fell, Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam. Jesus came as a man, as a human being, just like us, and was tested in exactly the same way, but without sin. 
There was never a day when Jesus wasn't having his free will tested and he chose for his, with his, for his father every single time. And at the end of his earthly life he was able to say, Father, I've done your will, absolutely to the letter. I love you. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tested and tempted all day, every day. But he said yes to God and no to Satan and to the sin. As I've been saying, one day we really must look at the Old Testament sacrifice and the high priestly function and you will understand then exactly what Jesus did and still does for us. So when he died on the cross at Calvary, he threw back the curse and the results of the curse are that he opened Eden to us again. That's why in Revelation 22 we have a description of the new Jerusalem, but it's simply the garden in Eden again on the earth. You have a river and the tree of life. The Bible shows us failure in the beginning, but it ends with success in Revelation. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there should be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign for ever and for ever. The prophecy at the end of Revelation is a restatement of God's aims and intentions in Genesis. We will be with him face to face. You notice in Revelation 22 there is no tree of the knowledge of good and evil because every person who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ receives his righteousness. We do not have to have our free will in this area tested again. We receive the righteousness of Jesus automatically because Jesus was successful in the test. That's why all we now have here in Revelation is the tree of life and it celebrates the work of Christ. Everything about the new Jerusalem shows us something about the character of God. So on the new earth in the new Jerusalem, first of all the, in, the, the, in the garden in Eden is opened up again. The river is there, the water of life. Salvation will flow forever and every testimony and forever and ever as a testimony to God's provision. God did not just see mankind in their fallen state. He did something about it and this river is there as a testimony to God's salvation that was opened wide and it always has been. Why is the tree of life there and always fruiting? Is it for the people of the city? No, the tree of life is there as a testimony that God provides every step of the way. This fruit is a statement forever 
of the character of God, his love, he never changes, he's sovereign, and these wonderful things are what the new creation is all about. That's what's stated here in Revelation. Bible prophecy has to end here in Revelation. The Bible has to end and finish with the new Eden because God's plan must be fulfilled. And the new heaven, we know very little about it, but we know it will contain certain things. It will contain the lake of fire which will burn forever with Satan, the Antichrist and the false prophet, unbelievers, all unbelievers, death and hell. We've seen that the unbelievers will be there not because God wants them there, but because they have rejected his provision for them, his salvation. So up in the new heaven the lake of fire will burn forever. You may think, why? Just as the new earth is a testimony of God's character, so is the lake of fire. The lake of fire stands for the God who is, who was, and who always will be, absolute righteousness, and more than that, absolute justice. We live in a day when people emphasize the love of God and forget all his other characteristics. God is a God of love, that's why Jesus came. But if you reject Jesus, God's love, then there is nothing left but God's justice. God is righteous and just, that's why he cannot overlook sin. At the end of Revelation, all the strands of God's purposes are brought together. Revelation 22, 6-21 Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the word of this book, worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is, un who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life.
from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We stand on the edge of the fulfilment of God's plan. May God bless you and strengthen you as you seek to fulfill his plan for your life. I just want to mention that if you want books to read on this subject, I really would uh, recommend a book called Revelation Unveiled by Tim LaHaye. You can get it, it is in print and it's very well worth reading and it'll take you through the book of Revelation verse by verse. So be blessed. Maybe you'll join us again in November for some more good things. God bless you. If you have any questions or you want to obtain any more resources from Oasis Community Trust, you can either visit our website on psalm131.com or email me on at beryl at psalm131.com. Uh, we'd be happy to supply you with anything that we have. God bless you and keep you. Amen.